Hello and welcome back to the Christian Formation Podcast. My name is Raven. I'm the Volunteer Services and Communications Coordinator here at Providence. And I'm joined with Andrew, one of our pastors, and Scott Olson. Scott, I'll let you kind of introduce yourself. Hi, Raven. Hi, Andrew. Good to be with you guys. Uh, yeah, so I am a... Long-time listener. Long-time listener of this <laughs> podcast. Uh, well, maybe not this particular one, but uh, I was on a couple times. I'll plug those. Sure. Um, in my background, I do a lot with apologetics and philosophy and theology, and that's kind of where I uh, kind of embrace my inner nerd a little bit. And so I think that's kind of what we're going to be talking about a little bit yeah. today. Yeah. Uh, so they and you've served our church as a city group leader, and you're up on Sundays uh, playing guitar sometimes, I know. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty He's great. blushing. So. <laughs> yeah. And so we have Scott on here to kind of help us talk about a book called Reasonable Faith by William Lane Craig. Andrew, could you give us a little bit more on that book? Yeah, so uh, the reason we're talking about this is uh, I recently just read through the book Reasonable Faith, and uh, he's m- the the book is talking about um, some different topics in apologetics, uh, which is like a defense of the faith, uh, of the Christian faith. And so um, we just thought it'd be helpful. It's a different uh, style of book than the last couple we've been talking about. And so, uh, Scott, would you give us a little maybe overview on who William Lane Craig is or why uh, we should read books by him potentially? Yeah. So William Lane Craig, or as most in the apologetics community, WLC, um, <laughs> we'll call him, or Bill, if you know him really well. Dr. Uh, Bill? Which I do not. Um, <laughs> so we do not call him <laughs> No, we'll just call him Dr. Craig. Uh, he is probably the foremost Christian apologist in the world. Um, he is like well-known throughout both the scholarly circles and the more popular level circles um, for his work in Christian apologetics and also in Christian philosophy and theology. Um, he has, I think, a Ph.D. in philosophy and also one in theology, and he's been writing and speaking and debating on this stuff for 50 years or 40 years or whatever. So you're saying he's smart. He's extremely smart. Okay, so we should potentially read him because he's uh, very smart, especially in the idea of apologetics and philosophy. Would you give us a... a he's, not, he's not only smart, but he's also very articulate, which okay. is, if you're if you read philosophy, you know that it's kind of difficult to find somebody who's that smart and still able to articulate his ideas and he's kind of got both of them which is why i think he's so popular that's good Mm -hmm. so would you help give a quick overview of what apologetics is i mentioned a little bit it's it's the defense of something or when we talk about apologetics it's the defense of the christian faith so give us a little bit of synopsis what is apologetics or maybe if if no one if someone's listening and hasn't ever heard of apologetics why should they care about this? Yeah, so we actually did a podcast on this, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago probably. Uh, so scroll back in your podcast feeds and you'll probably find it. But as a quick <laughs> overview, basically if you're a Christian, it's important to know why you're a Christian. And mm-hmm. I think one of the most important reasons to be a Christian is because it's true. And if you know that it's true, you should know why it's true. And apologetics helps give us reasons as to why we believe Christianity to be true. And it's important for... Dr. Craig gives three reasons in his book, um, which I I think are valid and pretty good reasons. One of them is to shape culture, which basically just means if Christianity is heard in a scenario where it's not seen as intellectually viable it's going to be a lot tougher to evangelize people aren't going to see it as they're not going to have intellectual permission to actually accept uh, the gospel when they hear it Um, the second one is to strengthen believers which uh, 
is kind of where I came into apologetics. Um, I was struggling kind of with my faith, and I needed to, some sort of tangible reason to believe Christianity to be true, and it's helped get me through some tough times just being able to fall back on um, the arguments and evidence that I've learned. And the third one is to uh, reach non-believers. There's a small minority of the population that responds extremely well to arguments and evidence. And I believe it's not the arguments and evidence that actually win the person to Christ, but the Holy Spirit can use arguments and evidence uh, just the same way he uses, you know, our own personal testimonies or stories to reach non-believers. Yeah, that's good. I think one of the things that I've been learning recently and, and through some different apologetic books is to understand that it is like a tool that we should be equipped with. So yeah, maybe, you know, at some points when we're trying to share our faith, uh, a personal testimony or just like walking along some aside uh, somebody or um, other other avenues may be helpful. And there may be some avenues where knowing some arguments uh, may be helpful. So it's mm-hmm. not that, um, you know, apologetics and evangelism are one in the same and you have to do apologetics if you're going to evangelize or anything like that. But as Christians, it's just another way to be equipped. And like you said, I really do think um, having a little bit of um, something to fall back on to know that in those moments where maybe you are doubting your faith, that there are valid reasons uh, for this can, like you said, strengthen yeah. uh, even believers, yeah. which is helpful. Yeah, you don't want the thing with apologetics, and this is a temptation in that community, is to like if you have a hammer, everything looks like a nail. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. you don't want to look at apologetics that way. It's just another tool in your tool belt that's extremely helpful in certain situations. But I mean, the goal of any interaction you have with a non-believer is to lead them to Christ, yeah. and uh, if they have intellectual hang-ups, or they think they do, then apologetics is a great way to overcome those. That's good. Give us a little bit of an overview of this book. So uh, apologetics is a large field. It's all the different, you know, answers or defenses to the faith. What is this book trying to do, um, or or how does he kind of approach apologetics in this book? Yeah, so pretty much he breaks down, I think, so the beginning of the book, he talks about... um, why we sh- why apologetics is important and, and why it should matter not only to us but also why the question of does God exist and is Christianity true should matter to non-believers as well so he goes over how without God there's no meaning in life there's no value and there's no purpose you know knowing whether or not there is that for your own life is one of the most important questions you can ask and then he goes on and gives five arguments um, for the existence of God that range from scientific to philosophical to moral, all sorts of different good uh, nuggets of wisdom. And then uh, he sounds very. <laughs> <laughs> and then he uh, ends the book with a defense of not just generic monotheism or the belief in just a God, but the belief that it's the Christian God. And so he does that primarily through the, he's showing the historicity of the person in life and resurrection of Jesus. That's good. So I, I, when I read through this, one of the points of the book that I felt like was most helpful um, was his part on the existence of God. So his arguments, I mean, all the arguments are good and they're thorough and in-depth and we'll get to this in a second, but I'm looking at like mathematical equations throughout this whole thing. It got a, a little over my head at yep. times, but some of the stuff that he was really good on was just the argument for the existence of God. So this is if somebody is is really doubting, could God, is there even a possibility that God could exist? Is that, is that even yeah. uh, like a, a plausible thing to think as an intellectual person? So could you give us, not super in-depth, but maybe just a taste of the book by go into one or two of 
his arguments for the existence of God to give people a taste of what this book's like. Sure. So probably the argument he's best known for, and it's the one he did his doctoral dissertation on, is the Kalam cosmological argument. Now, that might sound good. What do those words mean? Yeah, so Kalam is, I don't know what the heck that means, (laughs) but it's basically, this argument was originally created by a Muslim back in like 1200 or something. And so Dr. Craig discovered it and did some updated work on it. Um, essentially, it's an argument for the existence of God based on the fact that the universe had a beginning. And so he provides philosophical and um, scientific support in favor of the universe beginning to exist. And his argument is, if the universe began to exist, there had to be something that caused it to exist that is not part of the universe. Otherwise, the universe would be self-causing, which doesn't Mm -hmm. make any sense. And so that's kind of the gist of the Kalam cosmological argument. It gets very deep and technical um, at times, but it's a very powerful and actually pretty simple argument um, to learn. Um, so that's one of them. The other one that well, before you move oh, on, yeah, so yeah. let's say this one more time. So the cosmological argument is that if the world had a beginning, the universe, had if a the beginning. universe had a beginning, then there had to be something, some transcendent cause uh, to cause the universe to come into existence because things don't come into existence uncaused. And so if the universe, which he defines as all of space time reality, so all physical reality. Um, came into being at some point, there had to be something that isn't physical or in time that caused it to come into being. Because if whatever whatever caused it to come into being cannot be part of space and time, because otherwise it would be part it of the universe. Yeah. It would already mm-hmm. have existed. And so his argument is there has to be some transcendent cause that caused the universe to come into and existence. And he's not arguing with that specifically that it's like the triune Christian. Right. He's just saying there is something, some there, being that right. had to cause this. Yeah. And so he actually mm-hmm. comes to the conclusion that it is, in from a little bit of philosophical uh, insight, that the cause of the universe is spaceless, timeless, immaterial, and personal. Um, he believes that it's uh, a personal being um, and that you can show that through arguments that that's what this God looks like, which looks an awful lot like the Christian God. Yeah. But you don't get aspects of God like we don't know. Maybe this God that caused the universe to come into existence is a horrible being yeah. and he desires and so he's not even trying everybody. to get to there with this argument not he's yet. just trying to get you to the right. place where you could say yeah there would be some gun right or some being or right something and that so he relies on the arguments for jesus uh, resurrection to right. show right. well okay. this being that caused the universe to come into existence is the christian yeah. triune god give us one more what would be another example of an existence of god argument from the book sure so the other one that uh, a lot of people tend to latch on to is the moral argument for the existence of God. And that basically goes that if objective moral values and duties do not exist, um, or if God does not exist, then objective moral values and duties don't exist, which, uh, and then he argues that they do exist. And so therefore God does exist. And what I mean by objective moral values and duties is that there are some things in this world, some acts and uh, yeah, some acts that are, actually right or wrong regardless of anyone else's opinion about them so Mm -hmm. it's not it's not an argument that you can't be a good person without god although we wouldn't probably say that but you it's not that you can't do good deeds you don't know what right and wrong are it's that there is no standard by which to measure what right and wrong are Mm -hmm. without 
some sort of transcendent ground of morality. And the second point of that's objective values, objective duties, is that there is no reason or obligation to perform right or wrong actions without a transcendent um, ground of morality, right? So it, maybe it's possible that there are these just abstract kind of values called good and bad that somehow descend upon certain acts. But there, without the existence of God, there's no reason why we should do one of those acts as opposed to another. There's no obligation on our end. And yeah. so he argues that if God does not exist, those things don't exist. But from our own intuitions and experiences and the way everyone acts, we do believe that these are there are objective moral values and duties, and the only way to ground those is if God exists. Yeah. Hmm. Raven, are you convinced to read this book yet? You know, I think I need to finish some of my other apologetics <laughs> books that Scott's given me first before I start tackling this one. <laughs> yeah, this one is a little bit, as I was reading through it, it's not um, the easiest book to get into no. read if you've never really read through apologetics um, or if this is the first time you're really hearing about apologetics. This may not be the book to start with. Um, so, Scott, would you give us a little bit of who would you recommend this book for? Yeah, so I would say if you have studied apologetics in any way um, and you've looked at certain arguments and evidence, but just from a very high level... Um, you can probably tackle this book. You'll probably need to take it slowly. It is a, I would say, semi-academic level book. It's not quite to the scholarly paper level, but it is technical and like yeah. you were talking about. It's a about step the, up from a popular level book. Yeah, absolutely. So if you've read books like The Case for Christ or The Case for Faith from like Lee Strobel, yeah. those are way more popular level books than what you'll find in Reasonable Faith. But Dr. Craig does have basically a popular level version of reasonable faith it's called on guard which he covers almost all of the same material but just at a much uh, more popular level so if you have no background that's a great book to start with another great resource if you're looking to just get into apologetics is uh, free thinking ministries um, which is the ministry that i help out with and so we have a bunch of beginner level articles on there ranging from everything that's talked about in reasonable faith and in more um, about apologetics and Christian philosophy yeah. and theology. Yeah. The, the reason I read this book recently was for a master level class. And so I, there is a little bit of um, depth to it. And I kind of joked, but there is a lot of either writings or arguments that are just, it takes time to think through and read through. So if, if you're wanting a very quick, like, Oh, I'm interested in apologetics. Now I need to grab something don't do this one. Um, this one really is for if you've studied some of this stuff and, or maybe specifically if you have, again, I said, I think the existence of God is one of his best arguments in the book. There's a few other ones that are good. Um, but especially if you're talking to somebody, you're evangelizing with somebody who has a lot of questions on if God could exist, uh, and you've already thought through some of these things, or you like thinking deeply about things, pick up the book, read the arguments. Um, they are very good. But yeah, I love, uh, Scott said, On Guard by William Lane Craig, uh, The Case for Christ, yeah. or The Case for Faith. Yeah, He's got those a few are both, different ones. Yeah, or The Case for God. There's yep. a lot from Lee Strobel that are Lee pretty Strobel. good. Um, and yeah, there's a bunch of other really good, um, yeah. beginner level apologetics resources yeah. out there. Scott's got a bunch of recommendations. Heck so if yeah. you see him, uh, on a Sunday, grab him, talk to him about this. Um, otherwise, yeah, let us know. Um, and we want to help out in, in this realm of apologetics. We can try to give you any sort of, uh, guidance that we can. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Scott. You are welcome. 
And if you, again, want to read or pick up this book, it's called Reasonable Faith by Dr. William Lane Craig. So we will talk to you guys in a couple weeks when we have our next book podcast. Talk to you guys soon.